Let's bow our heads all over the house this morning. Lord, we prepare our hearts right now to hear from you today. Lord, through what we sang this morning, God, we have invited you into our hearts. We've invited you into our lives. We invited you into this room. And God, we prepare our hearts right now for the word. We prepare ourselves, God, for what you want to speak to us. Lord, we just sang a lot about you changing something within us. Lord, I ask you this morning that in every life that's represented here, every change that needs to take place in an attitude, in a perspective, in a level of faith, in a level of pursuit of you today, God, I pray that you would bring change, you would bring conviction, your word would speak to us today, and God, you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, that your word would fall on good soil today. And you would do what it's in your heart to do in every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. If you have the uh, Version Bible app, you can open that up this morning. And you can uh, search uh, for events and under the More tab. And you can find uh, the notes and all of the scriptures for the message today. As we get ready to uh, get into God's word today. Are you ready to hear the word? Say amen. Amen. Five years ago, in January of 2015, was a defining moment in the life of our church. As we rebranded our church and we adopted the motto, Welcome Home. The word motto is a phrase expressing the spirit of an organization. And over the last five years, that two-word phrase, welcome home, has become a part of the spirit of our church. Now, I like to tell people, and I, and I think I'm right, I, well, I know I'm right as far as I'm concerned, that we were the first church or organization or business that I knew of who used welcome home. It seemed like every other church and place after we started saying welcome home, I started hearing it everywhere. I mean, even the Atlanta Braves stole it from us when they opened their new stadium a couple of years ago. Even Hillsong Music, who we sang some of their songs, they started saying welcome home. But y'all, we were saying it a long time ago, five years ago. Then three years later, in January of 2018, six months after I became your lead pastor, We initiated a distinct and purposeful vision for our church that we call Love Your City. You've heard us talk about it many times. That was how it looked in 2018, years and years ago, right? And uh, since then, we have continued to share that. I told you last year when it looked like this for 2019 that we would continue to be a Love Your City church. And that's not going to change today. If you're new to our church family, you've not heard this before, I want to share it with you. And those of you who've heard it many times, I hope as I say it, you can just say it along with me because you've gotten so used to it. What does it mean to be a Love Your City church? It means that we love with a selfless Christ-like love. 
It means that our city is wherever we are. It's not just Rinkin, Springfield, or Guyton. It is when we're at home. It's when we're in the grocery store. It's when we're on the job. It's even when we're on vacation. We're never off duty for Jesus. Amen? Our city is wherever we are. And this fresh goal that we adopted two years ago would be accompanied by a vision statement that would clearly define how we would love our city. For us to love our city, we must hear his heart and show his love. For us to hear his heart, we've got to do what Paul talked about in Romans chapter 10 when he said, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. For us to hear his heart, we must hear the word of God. Congratulations to you, the first Sunday of the new year. Right now, you're hearing the word of God. As you're a part of a small group on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, you're hearing the Word of God. As you open up your Bible at home and you read and you spend time with the Lord or pray, you are hearing His heart through hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. The second part of that, hear His heart, show His love. For us to show His love, we need to become what Jesus talked about. In Matthew chapter 5 when he said, we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. And he said, we should let our good deeds shine out for all to see. Not so that they pat us on the back, but so that everyone will praise who? Your heavenly Father. And I challenged you as a church two years ago. That if we are going to be a love your city church, we must go from being a church that is a come and see church to a church that is a go and be church. There's a lot of come and see churches. There's plenty of them in America. Most of them are declining and dwindling and shutting the doors. But if we're going to keep the doors open, if we're going to be effective in 2020 and beyond, we must not just be a come and see, we must be a go and be church. Amen? Over the last two years, we've become a go and be church through local missions projects like uh, Backpack Buddies and Rinkin Elementary School outreach that we do with them and Family Promise. We've become uh, part of national missions such as supporting Urban Harvest Ministries and what they do in the Bronx and in Detroit. Work with the Church of God Home for Children in Tennessee. Our youth movement students take Come and See to Go and Be on Seek Week every year during the summer. We support world missions projects with two Bible schools that we support in Peru and Colombia, as well as missions work in Paris, France, and in Southeast, Southeast Asia. And as we turn the calendar over for 2020, we're right where we need to be, right in the will of God, as we continue to love our city. And this year, it's going to look like this. You're going to see this graphic all over the place. It's already on the back wall, and you'll get used to seeing it. But this year... Five years removed from the relaunching of Welcome Home and two years from the launch of our Love Your City vision. I believe the Lord is leading us not to put either of those on the shelf, but rather to add another phrase to our vision statement that goes along perfectly with the year 2020. As a Love Your City church, we're not just called to hear His heart. We're not just called to share His love and to show His love. But this year, God is calling us to take that a step further. And that is that we would see His kingdom. 152 times in the New Testament, Jesus or the disciples or the apostles used the word kingdom. Talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of the Son. The kingdom of light. Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, and especially in the book of Matthew, would start many of his most notable parables like this. The kingdom of God is like fill in the blank. 
And over the next few weeks as we go through this series that we're calling See His Kingdom, we're going to talk about and explore what the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of God represents and how we can clearly and definitively see His kingdom with 2020 vision in 2020. You like what I did there, didn't you? Along with thousands of other pastors, on the first Sunday of January in 2020, we're all saying the same thing. We need to see with 2020 vision as we enter the year 2020. I mean, don't blame me for going there. I don't, I'm never going to have another first Sunday of 2020 to say we need to see with 2020 vision. But you know what? When I think about 2020 vision, it brings up a difficult time in my past. Anybody remember when you were a kid in elementary school and the vision screener people would come by? And you would have to go stand on one side of the room and they put this chart up on the wall. And you'd have to hold your hand over one eye and you'd have to say E-F-P-T-C-Z. And then you'd try the other eye, E-F-P-O-Z. See, I got it wrong because I have bifocal contacts. It's exactly where I got it wrong. Didn't intend for that to go there. I'm getting ahead of myself in my message. You know where I'm going. Man, I, I went through all of elementary school. And you guys know what happens either later in the afternoon or the next day. Somebody comes to the door and they say, we need to see Bill, Bob, and Jane. And you're like, oh, man, they're going to have glasses. And I got through all those years until the sixth grade when I'm supposed to be styling and profiling as a middle schooler. Twelve years old, getting it going on. I mean, the hormones are raging. And we go in and we, we do the thing and, and I'm thinking, ah, we're good. And in the sixth grade, they come back to the door. I'll never forget it. They stood there at the door and they called two names. I even remember the other name. Ronnie Corbett and Les Woodard. Please come down to the nurse's station. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get glasses. Which began to make, you know, let's just admit it. We're sorry, middle schoolers. But just know, those are the worst three years of your life. When you, everything's downhill from there. Am I right? I mean, middle school's like purgatory, right? I mean, why is it even there? It should just go home for three years. But fortunately, I had an uncle who was an optometrist, thank God. And he told my parents, he said, look, I think Les can learn how to play. play. He can learn how to wear contacts. And so we went through that process. And man, it was a crazy process and a very difficult process for a 12-year-old to learn how to wear contacts. But praise God, I wasn't going to wear glasses. I had worked on this long enough. I mean, I was short and skinny in the sixth grade. I didn't need anything against me. I didn't need glasses. So we dialed in the contacts and we made that happen. And you know, through the years, my vision, like all of y'all who have bad vision too, those of you who don't wear contacts and glasses, we don't like you, Okay. Because you don't know what it's like to carry this burden, to go to the doctor and him say, man, you're, you're clicked down or you're clicked up and this side or this side. And I showed you, now I have bifocal contacts. And it's really a lot of fun. You know, I didn't think my vision could get any worse. But when I got over 40, baby, whoo, it got worse. And everybody else is saying, you just hang on, it's going to keep getting worse. But the thing about it is, if I never, if I'd have said, man, I'm not getting contacts, I'm too cool for... For that, I'm not going to do that. I would have never put myself in a position to be able to see clearly. Have you ever been in a football game or at a concert or an event behind a person with a big head? 
or a big bodies or a big shoulders. Maybe you're behind them right, there, right now. I'm sorry. If you cannot see, then you have to do what? You have to position yourself so you can see clearly. Ever got in your car on a uh, foggy morning or the rare uh, icy morning in South Georgia or the humid morning? That's uh, every other morning, right? And your windshield's fogged up. Ever tried to go down the road without de-icing or your windshield or your fog or don't worry it's a big problem and some of you I know what you've done now when I lived when we lived in Cincinnati area for six years in the late 90s we had a lot of ice and a lot of snow we learned how to get it off but there were times where I was running late for work and just had to get me a circle some of you from the north know what I'm talking about, right? Give me a nod, my northern people back there. You just get you a circle, and you drive, and you position yourself so you can just see through the circle, you know? Because you don't have time to clear everything off. But it's about positioning yourself to be able to see clearly. And what I believe that God is saying to us on the first Sunday of the new year is if we are going to see his kingdom... If we are going to love our city, if we're going to hear his heart, if we're going to show his love, we need to position ourselves so we can hear, so we can see in this new year. And what we're going to do in, in that is several things over the next few weeks that we're going to challenge you to do. All month long, I'm going to be preaching this message series called See His Kingdom. And I'm not going to get into a lot of the kingdom dynamics today. We're going to talk about that throughout the next few weeks. So come back and we'll talk more about what the Bible says about seeing His kingdom. We are going to talk about uh, today, about 21 days of fasting and prayer that we're going to begin tomorrow. We're going to get to that in a moment. On Wednesday nights, we're doing something different this month. Don't know if you caught it in the video announcements, but we're bringing all of our small groups together in the sanctuary for a time of prayer and worship right here at 7 o'clock. It's going to be like a B12 shot right in your arm, right in your spirit that you need to keep you going during these 21 days of fasting and prayer. If you're, if you're sluggish and you say, ah, I just can't get through it, come on Wednesday night. We're going to pump you back up, all right, to get through till Sunday. On the last Sunday of the month, we're going to have our Vision Sunday, our Love Your City Sunday, and we'll break the fast. Can I get an amen? You'll be real amen in by next Sunday. We're going to break the fast together on that Sunday. But also, one of the other things that we have going on this month is on Sunday mornings, our adult small groups are teaching a, uh, a small group called Awakening. And this small group, all of them take place at 930 in the Life Center for all ages. And if you need some encouragement or you just need somebody to kind of go on this journey with you as you go through fasting, or you just need a place to kind of connect with people, I would encourage you to be a part of that. We've got some incredible teachers. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about what the challenge is for us as we talk about in beginning 21 days of fasting and prayer. And so I want to ask um, Pastor Kevin if you'll come help me and grab a couple of people on either side of the stage are our 21 days of pr prayer and fasting cards and uh, everybody's going to get one of these cards today, okay? And so here's what I want you to do with these cards, all right? You're going to see that we took time to really get these nice for you. It's not something, you know, you're just going to ball up and throw in the floor. But hopefully you'll hang on to these and, uh, like, throw them in the floor like these guys are doing over here. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, you can't have nothing. I mean, you're just throwing it all over the floor, all right? But what I want you to do, I want you to take these cards that everybody, there's enough for everybody to get one. Even if you're a guest with us today, take one. Take this and put it somewhere where you'll be able to see it. 
and wherever you can, uh, you can see it. If it's in your car or if it's uh, where you have your devotions in the morning, you put it in the, uh, in the uh, kitchen, on the refrigerator or wherever. I also would encourage you to, uh, to take your phone, take a picture of it. And this is what some of you will do and you'll never need the card again. But take a picture of both sides of it and then you'll have it anytime you need it because we all have our phones all the time, right? And, uh, and then you'll have it with you at all times. If you are watching or listening on live stream today or you're catching up later and you weren't able to be in worship with us today, I know we got some people who are working today. we got some folks that are sick. We're, we thought about you as well. You can go to our website and uh, you can download uh, from the website. You can see the, uh, the, the points are there. Uh, just click 21 days and you can get both sides of this and you can have those available for you as you join us for 21 days of fasting and prayer. But if you've got this card, I want you to look at the front that's got the praying hands on it. And uh, this is what we're, we're asking you to do over the prayer side. This is how we're going to position ourselves through prayer in the next 21 days. There are seven everyday, I'm sorry, six everyday prayer focus items. We uh, humble ourselves, seeking God, His kingdom come, hearing from heaven, next steps and specific needs. The special events that we're doing this month to keep us engaged with this process are on the bottom. But then on the other side are daily prayer points that go along with our vision statement, hear His heart, show His love, and now see His kingdom. So, for instance, tomorrow is day one, January the 6th. And we want to ask you that during your private personal prayer time, not only will you pray through these on the front every day, but you will pick number one, January 6th, to pray for your personal vision for 2020. Personal renewal for yourself. And as you go through this list, this is what you're going to find. You're going to find some of the things on this list are related to our church. We're going to ask you to pray for our staff. We're going to ask you to pray for our ministries. We're going to ask you to pray for our small groups. Some of these are going to be related to you personally, to your personal walk with the Lord, to your lost loved ones, to things that you're seeking God for this year. I think by the time you finish praying through the next 21 days, I think everything we possibly could think of that we could pray about is somehow on this sheet and so we want to ask you to be a part of that and I also want to encourage you to uh, to pray with a pen in hand I always tell people to read the Bible with a pen in hand underline as you go but as you're praying write the names of your lost loved ones on this sheet write your needs on this sheet if there's things that you're seeking God for if you're seeking God for direction maybe for where you're going to go to college or what God's calling you to do with your career or maybe you're seeking God for a spouse you can write it on there I'm looking for a 6 foot 5 tall dark and handsome and I need him in the next 21 days uh, however it is you want to pray alright put those on there and he cannot have glasses we'll add that in there too so, as we get ready to pray, what does the Bible say about prayer? Well, I want to tell you something. The Bible encourages us that prayer works. Can I get an amen? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In Matthew chapter 7, listen to what Jesus said about prayer. He said, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Somebody say, keep on asking. 
Say, keep on seeking. Somebody say, keep on knocking. And listen what Jesus says. For everyone who asks what? And everyone who seeks what? And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus' brother James in James 5.16 said, The prayer of a righteous person is what? Powerful and effective. Oh, but pastor, I'm not a righteous person. My prayer is not powerful or effective. Guess what? You're right. None of us are righteous on our own. But when we come to Christ, God hears us and sees us through his righteousness. So he hears and sees us through the power of the cross. So you do have powerful and effective prayers because you are righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. Can I get an amen? One of Jesus' best friends, the Apostle John, in John 1, 5, and 14, it gets even better. He says, this is the confidence. Somebody say confidence. We have confidence when we approach God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So as we pull up to the plate over the next 21 days, we say, God, we pray your will over these things. We ask you to have your will in all of these areas in our lives. And the word of God tells us that he will hear us. Amen. So we're going to position ourselves over the next 21 days to hear from God through prayer. We're also going to position ourselves to hear from God through fasting. Now, what is biblical fasting? A lot of people fast to kind of keep their body in shape or maybe just to detox from time to time. But biblical fasting is a little bit different. You'll get some of those benefits, I'm sure. But biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. So what's the purpose of us fasting? Well, we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But I want to spend a few minutes talking about some of the practical aspects of fasting. Because if you've never fasted before, you're thinking, man, isn't that something for just super spiritual people or just for the pastor? Is that an Old Testament thing? The answer to all of that is no. Fasting is for all of us. And so let me answer this question. Why do we fast corporately at the beginning of the year? There's a lot of churches all over America today who are doing what we're doing. We're not the only one. There's many who are beginning the year with fasting. So why do we do that? I'm going to take these straight from uh, Jensen Franklin's book on fasting. There's three reasons why. Number one, you set the course for the rest of the year. Just like spending time in the morning with the Lord in prayer and reading his word sets the course for your day. When you set aside 21 days at the beginning of the year to pray and fast, you set the course for the rest of your year. Number two, you position yourself to receive God's blessings. Blessings are going to follow you all year long because you fast in January. There's a blessing that's going to come in April because you fasted in January. There's a blessing that's going to come in July when it's 110 degrees outside and you're sweating your rear end off because you fasted in January. There's blessings coming at Christmas, which will be here before you know it, right? I mean, you know how it goes. There's blessings coming all year because you fast at the beginning of the year and you're putting yourself in a position. Number three, we fast corporately at the beginning of the year because you release the Matthew 6:33 seek first principle. It's what we just said. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, Jesus says, and all these things will be added to you for the rest of the year. That's why we begin with a corporate fast at the beginning of the year. 
So what are some of the fasts that you find in the Bible? There's three different fasts that you find in the Bible. There's the absolute fast, no water, no food. How many people want to do that? Okay, no hands. I didn't think so. Then there's the normal fast. And you're like, what's normal about that? The normal fast. No food of any kind for a certain number of days. And y'all are like, really? Come on. Now, now here's the one that you can get up with. This is the partial fast where for a series of days or a time of the day, you give up foods and drinks for a certain period of time. And so what are the guidelines? What am I asking you to do? What am I calling us to do as a church? Well, I'm calling us today that we will do, we did this last year for the first time in a very long time. It was an incredible, successful month in the life of our church. How many of you, because you fasted last year, saw blessings that you know followed you all year because you fasted last year at the beginning of the year? There's hands up all over the room. People who fasted last year. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to fast for 21 days. Why 21 days? Well... We know the experts, whoever they are, say that it takes 21 days to create a habit or, or to some change some behavior. But in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, we learn that Daniel fasted for 21 days. That's a plan. This is primarily a food fast, so I'm going to ask you to pick something food-wise to fast. Now, a 21-day Daniel fast, which is what many people will do, is a fast where you just have vegetables and uh, fruit and water or, or fruit juice and vegetable juice for 21 days. You cut out all the meat, you cut out all the starches, you cut out all the sugar, you cut out all the coffee. That's a 21-day Daniel fast. And I see all of y'all squirming like crazy and looking at each other. Like, my goodness, what in the world? You me tell you what it is? Daniel was doing keto before keto was cool. That's just keto. That's all it is. It's just keto from the Old Testament minus the meat. And you'll be okay. Choose a plan that will be a sacrifice to you. Fasting is supposed to be a sacrifice, right? Choose a plan that will work with your health. If you have a health issue, if you're pregnant, if you're breastfeeding, some of these things you need to do something differently, but you can fast. So find something that will work with your health. We don't want to have to pray for you because you get sick because you fasted. It shouldn't work that way, right? And not just food. I've heard some people, I've been talking to some people and heard about some people over the last few days who are talking about what they're going to fast. But maybe you want to fast something like TV or social media or Netflix. Or maybe you're going to fast um, a social media app that you're on at the time. Or maybe even secular music, whatever that is. But putting yourself in a position to shut out some things over these 21 days. So what are some things that you need to know? Let me tell you some practical things you need to know while you're fasting. This is stuff... That's going to help you as you take this challenge over the next 21 days. First of all, there's never a good time to fast. There's never a good time to fast. There's always a birthday party. There's always an event. There's always a football game to watch where you want to be eating what you want to eat. Now, last night, Brock and Trust and I were sitting on the couch after 11 o'clock watching something glorious happen. And I have good news of great joy. <laughs> the Patriots and Alabama will not win a championship this year. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let anybody else win as far as I'm concerned. We love y'all Alabama and Patriots fans, but for goodness sake, let somebody else have one sometimes, okay? 
And we were sitting there last night, and I said, what in the world are we going to eat when we watch the national championship in a few weeks? And Trust and I was like, what can we have? I'm just like, I guess we're having carrots and celery. And Brock looked at me, and he said, Dad, why can't we fast at some time in the year when there's not a major sports season? <laughs> I said, I'm going to share that tomorrow. So I don't know, Brock. This is not the beginning of the year. I don't know when there's not a major sports season. But there's always something going on. But choose a plan that you can stick to. Plan something that you can do as a couple. It makes it easier if you and your spouse are doing the same thing or something you're doing as a family. I want to encourage you parents. Challenge your kids to fast. I asked Pastor Josh yesterday, was he going to talk about it today? And he said, no. He said, when I did last year, the kids looked at me like I was crazy and said, I ain't doing that. So encourage your kids as you're doing this. Tell them what you're doing. Explain why we're doing this. And uh, maybe ask them to give up Cheetos for 21 days or soft drinks or whatever. But something that they can learn as we learn what it is and what it means to fast. Why the Bible tells us to fast. Eliminate distractions. This is your homework this afternoon. Go clean out the pantry. Get rid of all that junk that's going to be a temptation for the next 21 days. Plan what you're going to eat. Minimize trips to the grocery store. If you're fasting, you don't want to go to the grocery store a lot over the next 21 days. Because it's going to be temptation island everywhere you look. Now, I'm th- uh, my goodness, I just thought about uh, my friend Timmy over there. He works at the grocery store, so let's pray for Tim. Because my goodness, what, he's, what is he going to do? But plan what you're going to eat. And here's the other thing. Fast privately. Fast privately. Okay, how can we fast privately? You've called us all to fast together. How's that even possible? Okay, well, let me explain it to you. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, and when you fast, don't make it what? Obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees what? Everything will what? Will reward you. So Jesus is saying, even though we're doing this fast together corporately, that doesn't mean that you drag around for the next 21 days everywhere looking haggard and and worn out and and complaining all the time. I just can't hardly make it. I need a donut and a cup of coffee. I'm going to die. You know, if if that is your mentality, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it, right? Jesus said... If, if, you're, if you're going for that with your friends and coworkers and family, then that's your reward. But when you do it in a way that honors God, there is a reward that God will give you. Amen? And you know what happens when you fast? You know, there's going to be times when you're in the break room. Somebody's going to notice that you're eating differently. Somebody on the job is going to say, man, why are you having a banana instead of a donut today? Or whatever it is. As the Holy Spirit open up, opens up those opportunities, you can walk through those doors to share, well, here's what we're doing. My church is going through a fast, and this is what we're doing, and it gives you an opportunity to share what God's doing in your life. That's not bragging on you. That's bragging on God. So don't make it about you. Here's the other thing. Drink a lot of water. Water is a faster's best friend. Sleep a lot. Get a lot of rest and pray and pray and pray. So... Those are some tips. What can I expect while I'm fasting? This is some stuff that you need to know as you get going in this, okay? You will have headaches. You will experience fatigue. You may not be able to sleep, but you will be okay. You know why this is happening? Because your body is detoxing. 
Because of what you and I have done to our bodies, especially the last six weeks, we need to fast. Anybody get an amen on that, okay? So, so look, you're going to get some headaches. You're going to walk out of here in a few minutes. My Lord, I'm fasting. I'm going to seek God and the fire is going to come down in my house and my car every day. And then by the middle of the day, Tuesday, you're going to be cussing me out in your mind. Why in the world did that pastor ask us to do that? I cannot believe it. I'm dying. I just need a biscuit or something. Get ready, okay? But here's the good news about fasting. And I want all the people who have really fasted before to say amen when I finish this. There is a sweet spot in the fast. And if you will push through the first few days, you'll get along about Thursday or Friday and you'll get an extra kick in your step. You'll get some extra energy because your body is detoxing all that garbage that you and I have been eating all the last few weeks. And you'll start feeling good and you'll get some energy and you'll start looking good and you're going you're gonna to look better. You're going to smell better. Your teeth are going to be brighter. I mean, it's just going to be good, okay? But you got to get through the first few days, okay? It's going to be a little tough as you get through it, all right? You're going to be hungry. You're going to want to eat everything. So eliminate distractions, Okay? That night that you're really battling, don't sit there and watch TV and look at all those pizza commercials, okay? Everything's going to look good. Eliminate the distractions. There's going to be plenty of excuses, okay? So eliminate your excuses. Ignore the excuses. Don't stop when you get tired. Stop when you're done. Stop when the 21 days are over. And be ready because you're going to be tempted to quit or you're going to be tempted to take a break. How do I know that? Because it says in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Anybody want to be like Jesus? I mean, you want to take 21 now. You're like, 21 ain't too bad now. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, an absolute fast. And at the end of the fast, who came knocking on the door? The devil came and he tempted him. And what was the first thing he tempted him with? He tempted him with food. And Jesus responded with one word. What? No. Say no. Just say no. We'll bring that back from the 80s. But just say no. Jesus said no. People don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, I am gonna, I'm going to push aside the flesh and live for the spirit in a way like I never have before. Listen to this quote from Jensen Franklin. Don't allow the enemies of your life to cause you to focus more on your appetite or your circumstances than on the promises of God that are released when you employ the powerful weapon of fasting. You will experience spiritual ups and downs. There will be moments over the next 21 days where you feel really close to the Lord and you'll be like, I'm never going to eat again. And then there's going to be moments where you're going to be like, where are you, God? I'm praying, I'm fasting, I don't... It is part of the ride. It's a part of life. But hang in there. When you make that decision to fast, God sees the desires of your heart and he will provide you with the grace to endure and see the breakthrough you need to come to fast. So what kind of fast should you do? I want to encourage you to spend the rest of this day thinking and praying. Maybe you've already decided. Prayerfully consider what kind of fast you feel like God is leading you to do. But here's the key. So most, probably one of the most important things I'm going to say today as I fly through this message on fasting. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. Amen. 
It doesn't count if you fast, say I'm fasting something that I don't eat or something I don't do. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. You can pray without fasting, but it is impossible to truly fast without praying. And I want to tell you something. I have been so guilty so many times in fasting to where I just get so focused on surviving the 21 days. I'm thinking about what in the world can I eat today. That I get so focused on those things that I miss what God wants to do in my spirit. And if we do that without thinking through it, if fasting is just, if it's not combined with the prayer, with prayer and the word, it's just a little bit more than dieting. So we can diet. You can do that any time of the year, but this is completely different. Now, I want to close with this thought. What's the purpose of our fasting? Do we fast so that, is it like, is it some type of spiritual calisthenics or trick that if I fast the right thing or the right amount of days, then God's going to answer my prayer and do everything that I want him to do? No, that is not why we fast. We're not fasting to get answers to prayer. We're not fasting necessary to even move the heart of God. Sometimes we miss the purpose of fasting. And I want you to hear this. Because this changes, this will change your perspective on fasting. To understand it, we've got to lean in on a conversation that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 9. It said that some of John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus to ask him a question. They're, they're in the middle of limbo. They don't know what's going on. They've been following John the Baptist. And then Jesus comes along. And Jesus is beginning to teach some things that they haven't heard before. They're over here talking to the Pharisees. And listen to what happens. It says, the disciples of John, John the Baptist, came to Jesus saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast when? Often. But your, fast, your disciples do not fast. The Pharisees and John's disciples were keeping a checklist of who was the most spiritual. And Jesus stepped back and he said, look, it's kind of like a wedding. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Doesn't make sense. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Does Jesus say that we're still to fast? Yes. Watch this. And then he says... No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, some people think this means that Jesus didn't think fasting was necessary. That is a complete misunderstanding of this passage. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you fast. And in Mark chapter 9, he said some things only happen through prayer and fasting. What Jesus is saying here, get this, is that the old way and the new way don't mix. Jesus is saying, I have stepped into the picture. I have split time in half and what you will know later as the Bible in half. And as I step into the picture, the old covenant is gone and I'm coming to bring a new covenant. And where in the Old Testament, fasting was about mourning and asking God to change his mind, the new covenant is different. Because when I fast in the new covenant, I'm not fasting for favor because I'm already blessed and highly favored because he went to the cross for me. 
I'm not fasting for his love and his grace because it has already been poured out through the riches of his goodness. I can't do anything to earn it, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. But what Jesus is saying, he's given an example here. Listen, first of all, he talks in the natural. He says, you understand how clothes work. You can't take an old piece and put it on a, a new piece and put it in an old piece. It'll tear it. And then Jesus steps into the spiritual. And he says, you know how wine works. He said, you can't take old wine, a new wine, and put it into an old wineskin. It'll burst and the wine will go all over the place. Jesus was connecting the dots and he was intentionally saying something super natural and spiritual because in your Bible when you hear the words oil or wine those are references to the Holy Spirit and so what Jesus was saying here is he is being very intentional in this illustration and he's telling them that this is what's happening that you need to prepare a place for new wine for the Holy Spirit so when we sing about new wine or we talk about new wine we're not talking about something out of a bottle we're talking about the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, we got to understand something. We got to understand that in Jesus' day, wine did not come in a bottle, a glass bottle, like we would be used to seeing it today. Instead, to hold freshly made wine, wine skins needed to be soft and pliable because as the wine began to uh, ferment, it would cause the wine skin to expand. And so the wineskins had to be new and pliable. If you took an old wineskin that was dried out, you put new wine in it. As the wine began to expand and ferment, it would break the wineskin. Do you understand that illustration? Are you with me? So Jesus says, what he's saying is this. When you become saved and you're a believer, you get new wineskin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get a new, you're new. Everything's about you new. The way you think. The things you do. The, the decisions you make. You're following Christ. Everything's different. But how many of you know as you begin to get through life and you go through the grind of everything, sometimes things get dry and stale and it kind of gets a little boring and sometimes you wish you could go back to what it felt like when you first met Jesus. This is what he's talking about. He's saying, I've come to bring something new. And sometimes we become, even though we're new creations, that new wineskin that he created in us, sometimes it gets a little old and dusty and brittle, and it gets full of gunk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is saying that what he wants to do inside of us, that there are fresh new things that he wants to do, new works of the Holy Spirit, expanding works in us, but we need new wineskin to contain them. You don't just get a new wineskin when you get saved and you choose to follow Jesus at the beginning, but you repeatedly, all throughout your walk, at different times need new wineskin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In the book of Acts, were they filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues once? No. You read the book of Acts. They were filled and spoke in tongues multiple times throughout the book of Acts. There were multiple infillings of the Holy Spirit, which tells me if the apostles need it, I need it. There's times where I need to be refreshed and, and renewed in His Spirit. And that's what fasting does. Look at this. Fasting gives us new wine skin. And some of us are in a place right now where the constant demands of life on our minds and the distractions and the noises of life can weigh us down. 
They can put us in a spiritual fog. We can get tired. Our conscience can get to the point to where we don't even hear the voice of God anymore. His voice is muffled and we begin to lose our passion and we just go on autopilot. Anybody ever go on autopilot in your relationship with God? I'm just coming to church. I'm just walking in. I'm just sitting here. I'm just kind of here. I'm just reading my Bible. It's autopilot. I'm being obedient, but it's just autopilot. There's no fervor. There's no zeal. There's no umph in me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But that's why we need to fast. Not so we say, God, please, please, please do this. And if I check all the right boxes, then he'll answer my prayer. No, it's about him pouring something fresh and new in me. Because I need it. Anybody else need it? Anybody know that sometimes you, you just feel like you want it to get back to where it was. And Jesus is saying to us, I have come with a new covenant. And I want to be able to clean the gunk out that's built up in your life. Renee, if you'll begin to come and play. Let me illustrate it to you this way as we close out. How many of you have ever had the joy of having your bathroom sink or tub get gunked up? You go in there and it's just not, water's not flowing. Now, you're not going to call the plumber because that's too much money, Right? So you'll go to Walmart and you'll find the biggest bottle of liquid plumber that you can find and spend $9 on that bottle that says it's the super duper bottle. And you'll go in expecting a miracle. You read the instructions, you pour the hot water in for a little while, you pour that baby in, you wait 15 to 20 minutes, you come back, still gunked up, right? So conveniently, Partner and Gamble says may need two applications so then you pour the rest down and you have literally just poured nine dollars down the drain and it still doesn't work now some of you might not be homeowners you've never had to experience this but once I became a homeowner after a few times I learned that at some point just don't buy it you got to get down and do some work you open up, it's no fun. You get all that junk out. That Why in the world is all that junk under the sink? We never use it. We just keep throwing it under there, right? You got enough soap till doomsday. Women, you got enough body lotions to keep you soft till Jesus comes. My goodness, enough junk under there. But you get all that junk out, you get you a bucket. Now, the first time you don't do that, Tim, and you have a mess. But the second time you do it, you learn. You get a bucket and a towel and you go to work. And you undo all that stuff. And you get you a coat hanger and you start cramming it. After a while, this water. Now, is there, is there any problem with the water's tap? Is there any problem with the source of the water? Is the water flowing freely from the tap? Wide open. It's not a water problem. There's a gunk problem. And so once I get down there and I start pulling, then... It starts coming out. I know some of y'all about to get sick. And it's black and it's grimy and it's nasty and it stinks. And that's all the illustration I'll give. But you pull it out and all of a sudden, there it is. And if you have teenage daughters, it's... Can I get an amen from over here? From my two, to my two sons. Did this a few months ago. I tell you, I've, I've lived it. But the problem was the gunk. It wasn't the source. 
Here's why we need to fast. Listen to me. We have the source. It's unlimited. I hit that source and it's on. That water, hot or cold, it flows. We're not in a third world. We have first world problems. This is a first world problem. The water flows. It's no problem. But the water will flow and it will not go where it needs to go. And sometimes we can come here, we can put ourselves in a position under the water, and the water's flowing. We can read our Bible, and the water's flowing. It's the words there. We're praying, the water's flowing, but for some reason it's not getting through. You know why? Because we've got too much gunk that's built up in our lives. And we're discouraged, and we're frustrated, and we're worn out, and we can't hear the voice of God, and we've allowed too many other things to have a voice in our lives. That's why we need a new wineskin. That's why we need to fast. So the source, it's flowing, and as I fast and put myself under that source, he's going to be able to clean the gunk out as I fast and pray and set aside things that are important to me. And I realize that the coffee and the donuts and the meat are not as important as my relationship with him is a closer walk with Jesus worth 21 days of putting your appetite on the shelf the answer is yes is it worth blessings following you all year long the answer is yes if you've never fasted before I want to tell you something you can do it you can do it don't listen to the devil who will tell you you can't do it that's preachers crazy that's too super spiritual you can do it and he doesn't want you to do it because he doesn't want you to see what you're going to unlock when you pull out the gunk and you get under the spout here's the old saying where the glory comes out anybody ever heard that one before let's stand together this morning I'm going to ask the worship team to join us today and we're going to close out today this morning in prayer together Some of us need to get our spiritual passion back. Worldly gunk is the enemy of spiritual passion. And some of us, we just, many of us, I'm sure, we need something fresh and new to happen in our lives. And I'm believing that as we do this over the next 21 days, that is going to happen for us. I want to invite, I know we've got a full house today, but I want to invite everybody who possibly can and will give us five to ten more minutes. I want you to come, and we're going to close as a church family in prayer. Come on. Everybody in the house that can, come as close as you can. I need you guys in the front to come as close as you possibly can. And I want us to close together in prayer. And we're going to close in worship today. Putting ourselves in a position. That's what we said. It's about putting ourselves in a position to be able to see his kingdom putting ourselves in a position where he can clean the gunk out of our lives keep coming, keep coming, getting tighter and tighter the worship team is going to lead us in this song New Wine we sing this every now and then around here now you know what it means we're just singing about a fresh indwelling and encounter with the Holy Spirit they're going to sing this I want you to sing with them I want us to worship and then I'm going to come at the end and lead us in a prayer together and then we'll be done today. Let's sing this. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to you.
When I trust you, I don't need to understand. So make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all. In the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. You are breaking new ground. Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Oh, Jesus, bring new wine. Oh, inside of us to expand to a greater degree watch this as we shut down the natural man and engage the spirit man 
Now, I really could have just preached that one slide and sent you home because that's everything in a nutshell. That's what fasting is. Fasting is shutting down the natural man, the thing that as in our flesh, more than anything else on this planet, what we like to do is eat. It's because it's the way God made us. So shutting down the natural man and engaging the spirit man. I'm going to tell you where I'm at. I'm at a place in my walk, in my spirit, where I, I'm going to be honest, I need the next 21 days. I need that to happen to me. I need to shut down less for 21 days. I need to shut down some, some desires that I have, and I need to engage the spirit man. Anybody else with me? Anybody else hear the Holy Spirit speaking? Hey, it's not supposed to be easy. It wasn't easy when Jesus laid his life on the cross for us and this is what he's asking for us to do can we do it can we do it will you do it with me over the next 21 days as the Lord leads you as you are obedient and I believe everything I've preached this morning and more is going to happen we're going to have testimonies that are going to follow us all year long because of what we're going to unleash in the spirit of what's going to happen here of us beginning these days of 21 days of prayer and fasting so here's the prayer the prayer that we're about to pray is very simple. It's what's on the screen. We're going to pray a very simple prayer to close this service out. God, shut down the natural man. I want you to pray that over your life right now. Lord, right now, in every one of our lives, we pray that over our lives. Shut down the natural part of us, God, that keeps trying to do it on our own. The part of us where we try to earn grace. The part of us, God, where we're trying just to work too hard for our salvation. The natural side of us that only sees with natural eyes and we don't see with faith. The natural side of us that overcomes us, the temptations that we've battled and we can't seem to get over. God, we lay down the natural man. Lord, right now all over this room, we, we pray that prayer, God. We pray right now, Lord, shut down the natural man in me. Will you pray that over your life right now? Shut down the natural man, the natural woman in me. Now let's pray the next thing that's the most powerful to pray, God. Engage the spirit man and woman in us over the next 21 days. Lord, like never before, we ask you to give us ears to hear the voice of the Spirit. Engage us, Lord, in you like never before. The places that are, that are hard right now. Lord, the, the places that are dry right now in our lives. Lord, where it might just feel like routine and we're just going through the motions. We pray for fresh oil, fresh wine, fresh move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask that and we seek that today. God, may we engage the spirit man. And as we are walk in obedience, Lord, with expectations, we believe that you're going to do something great in our lives. As we put two powerful weapons in one hand, the weapon of fasting, and the other hand, the weapon of prayer. We're coming after 2020 like never before this year, God. And believing in faith that you're going to do everything that your word has promised and more as we put your word 
on top of the things that we're praying over the next 21 days. We thank you for what you're going to do. We praise you in advance for the blessings that are coming. And God, we ask you for your strength. We ask you for perseverance as we go through the next few days and begin this fast. And we look forward to what you're going to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Somebody give God praise for what's going to happen. For what's about to happen in your life, in our church, in your family, in your health in your finances, in your spirit, in your walk. We speak it in faith today, believing it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We want to see you back.